And we are live. Hello, everyone. This is Sydney Robolata, a co-creator of Body I Love You, which is the course that literally teaches you how to love yourself. Today, I am joined by Jen Price and Tonya Noland, two of my fellow Body I Love You coaches. And we're just here today to shoot the shit. I'll get into the topic in a moment. Tonya and Jen, hey, how you doing? Hey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hello, happy Friday. Happy Friday. We were just saying how excited we are that like spring has sprung and I feel like we all look very springy today. Most definitely. It's so gorgeous here in the Pacific Northwest. Probably <laughs> on the whole West Coast right now. It's just yeah, like total typical spring. It's so gorgeous. So beautiful. I love spring. And- <laughs> yes, yeah, so ready, right? Yes. I love the like symbolism of spring too. And especially as it relates to like our conversation of loving your body and stuff, just different things, springing up, accepting different things, noticing different things, releasing different things. It's such a symbolic season to me. Yeah. I love it. it is. Yeah. New chapter, so new spring. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So I feel especially excited to have you guys in on this conversation because this needs to be like an open dialogue because we all have obviously very similar experiences and very different in a lot of ways as well. But today we're going to be talking about the shoulds that appear in your life over the ages and stages of your life as it pertains to body image. So, so many of us experience, if you're anything like me, I am a self-proclaimed should head meaning that like my brain just instantly goes to what I think I should be doing. And notice how when you're talking about things you should be doing, it's essentially because other people are doing it. It's other people's expectation. It's how you're like in in fear of being perceived, I guess. Jen and Tonya, are you guys shitheads as well? Yes, I would definitely say there's different aspects of my life that it applies to. And then there's other aspects where I think I'm really good at setting boundaries and checking myself before I wreck myself. Uh, The areas I feel like it kind of uh, permeates that maybe I'm more unaware of is just, you know, the should of going to the gym, for example, like we joined a gym last September, my husband and I, and it's great because we have the accountability. We both feel great. And it's a gym where there's no focus on like weight loss, tracking calories. Like they don't talk about like shedding pounds, getting skin. It's about getting like getting strong and how are you feeling? So I felt like that so aligns with, you know, what we teach in body. I love you. And what I've tried to kind of even heal in my own relationship to my self-talk over the years, since, you know, in high school and going into college, I did suffer from an eating disorder. I'm like over-exercising, limiting myself on what I would eat, just not enjoying food. Right. Um, And so now I feel like even though this is a really good thing, like this is a really good routine and it makes me feel good going, I still should myself into saying, okay, well, like today, like yesterday it was sunny as well. And I was like, I just don't want to go to the gym. I just don't want to be on inside. I'd rather do something like gardening in the back. And that's still going to be a really good workout, but there's still that voice in my head that says, but you should go, you know, you need to get those four classes, which is your goal in. And I'm like, I'm still going on Friday. I'm gonna get three in and I'm going to go kayaking this weekend. So I'm doing other activities that make up for it. And so there's still that voice in my head where it's like, you are very goal-oriented, perfectionist. You've got to get your four in, which is kind of like our target goal as a couple. 
but also leaning into like, what do I need most right now, which is sunshine and being outside in the fresh air and happiness. So having that internal dialogue still creeps up for me a lot. Totally. And I totally hear the correlation of perfectionism and, and even like we're all going through the work. One thing that we will all say is that like, this is a lifelong journey. None of us are coming in of like, I've achieved 100% 10 out of 10 body love every single second of my life. That's just, it's not a thing. It's not the human experience, but Tonya, even though like, but don't worry, I'm still going kayaking or like, but gardening is still an exercise. Like, do you hear the shoulds in that? Like, it's, it's crazy to just like, we, we should be constantly moving our bodies or whatever. And sometimes our bodies want rest. And then, but the should conversations in your brain come through. It's like, I can literally list a a small list of people whose voices it actually is like never skip a Monday minimum four times a week. Um, you know, just like no excuses type of situation and hot damn, my brain just hates that so much. It's, it's never felt good. It's never felt motivating. It's always felt so shameful. Yeah. Agreed. It's funny, as you guys are talking, I have realized that like in my brain, and maybe it's just the way that like, maybe it's my own trauma or whatever, but I tend to think in terms of shouldn'ts because I feel like I try and do a bunch of things, but it's more like, oh, but you shouldn't do that. Like you shouldn't do that because you're older now. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't like, like start a new business at, you know, 43, because like you're way too old or you shouldn't like, you know, go to dance class wearing those short shorts because, you know, you're too old for that. Right. I mean, what goes through my head is like, and maybe it's just in my brain because I feel like I've been told what I should do so much that I feel like I'm not like not doing it. So I shouldn't be doing these things. Right. I've been constrained from doing things or something. So true. That reminds me of, I feel like this has been coming up a lot with clients lately talking about like the rebel teen that lives in your brain that like sometimes that voice just gets so loud where it's like, you're literally having like a teenage tantrum, like slamming your door. I I hate you mom. Like going into your room and just like cranking up music so loud. Sometimes we get that same energy. And sometimes when you think about it, that does come from the should of like, I want to impress the people at school and I want people to like me and things like that. But very often it shows up as should nots because it's exactly you're like rebelling against the norm, like not wanting to do things. And that's scary. It's such a female thing too. Like, I think we are constrained our whole lives from, you know, doing things, saying things, just being ourselves. Right. And so it's like, I feel like in a lot of ways, just doing what I want is what I shouldn't be doing, you know? Right. 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 (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking, we were all thinking of just like different examples before this call of, of shoulds that have come up specifically as it pertains to body image just throughout the different stages of our lives. And we're all in different ages and stages of our lives and just like chapters of our lives. So it's it's going to be so cool to hear from all of us. But the first, I think, primary should that officially started to like change behavior for me, one of the first, I started wearing makeup at a very young age. I started wearing makeup in like fourth grade or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember like in fifth grade, I moved schools. And when I went to my new school, none of the girls wore makeup. And I felt like such a loner because I like loved makeup and nobody else did. And then thank goodness I found my soulmate who's still my friend to this day, Tracy, who was like into that stuff with me. Um, but I, I remember it got to a point when I was at such a young age that I like felt uncomfortable leaving the house without putting makeup on when it, we look back now and I would hear adults saying like, what are you 
covering up. Like, what are you doing with this makeup? Like you literally have a child's face. That's why people wear makeup to like get a face that looks like yours. And it just, it felt very embarrassing whenever I was called out on it, but it always felt like it was something that I should be doing. It felt like that's what women do. It felt like that's what you did to be beautiful. I I definitely felt pressure to wear makeup and keep up appearances in that way. I can't quite relate. I think I've always loved makeup. So, but I, I know what you're saying. Like, I feel like even sometimes just in certain situations, like, oh, you definitely should be wearing makeup. Like whenever I'm in a business situation or on a zoom call or whatever, I always feel like I need to wear makeup hundred percent. And I think it's so ingrained that I don't even think about it as I should. It's just like, that's just what you do. Right. Definitely. Yes. Like, how many, how many shoulds do we have that we aren't even aware of? Because it's like what you do. It's like, you know, part of society you know, mm-hmm. 100%. That was literally a win that came up during a body. I love you call one time because I was like, I want to share the win today that I'm on a professional call and I'm not wearing any makeup right now. Like that. I had to unlearn that stuff. I did detrain myself that like, I'm not to be taken professionally seriously. If I am not wearing makeup, what a twisted weird thing. But it's so true. Cause I feel like a, it's a way that women are kind of quote unquote expected to show up. Right. Like for me, I have this, um, just like this mindset, I guess, that I've kind of overcome over the years and just been more aware of is like, gosh, I look so tired if I'm not wearing mascara. Like at the very minimum, I need to be wearing mascara to look like I'm awake, that I look like I'm like semi put together without putting a whole face on to go hiking, you know, but I just feel like I look tired or someone's going to tell me I look tired if I don't look like awake, at least in my eyes. And I just think it's such a twisted mindset of like, well, men aren't expected to wear mascara, like when they roll out of bed. So it's like, where's that double standard, right? 100%. And like, what's wrong with looking tired? Maybe that's even an internal narrative that like doesn't even exist. I know a number of my friends might be laughing, listening to this because something that I think is so attractive in men is when they look tired, we like have a joke that my type is like sleepy boys. (laughs) So like, (laughs) I would never want someone to do something to themselves to like not look that way because I don't know there's something in my brain that thinks it's really cute but yes like I feel that way about men specifically I've never actually had that thought about women which is telling (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) so funny I'm curious what are some other like when I say one of my first shoulds that like started changing my behavior and my perception of myself what do you think is one of the first shoulds around body image image that you experienced I think for me just in general and I still deal with this like every day that like like I should be at a certain size slash weight if I'm going to love my body right like I think it's still something I constantly struggle with like you know like I look in the mirror and I'm like it's okay that I love myself even if I look like this right even if I'm not like at the weight that I want to be even if I don't like have a tight tummy or you know you know even whatever, whatever it is, like, I just have to be like a certain specific size, weight, whatever. I have to be approved of myself in the mirror in order to love my, myself and my body. And I, it's a constant struggle because I, I feel like I, even though I do love myself and I do love my body so much, and I'm so grateful, uh, it's, it still is in, it's still like so ingrained from like when we were little, like we have to be a certain way in order to be a body that we love. 100%. And it's one of the things that we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about body images, like how, how it got there. I actually did a funny 
post earlier this week around like specific things from media from my upbringing that like changed my brain chemistry and like how I perceived my body and just like women's bodies in general like that's how that stuff is planted and if you literally sit down and look at all your favorite movies and shows and magazines that you read it's kind of like this aha moment of like no shit I feel that way of course I feel that way yeah yeah no I I'm gonna jump on tangent off of what Jen said too because I think the first thing I can like remember is hearing women maybe in tv movies things like that talk about their weight and then I would be looking at them like oh my god they're taller than me and they weigh less than me like Yes. You know, just kind of things like I saw a post um, from this one illustrator I love and she was like talking about Bridget Jones's diary and how like she weighs 30 pounds, but then she has her little illustration of herself and she looks healthy and, and she's happy. She talks about this stuff all the time. She's like, and I'm 130 pounds. So if I'm judging myself based off Bridget Jones, I'm overweight kind of a thing. And like Bridget Jones was one of my favorite movies, you know, but it's just like looking at people on the screen and saying like, oh, if, if they're this tall and they weigh this much, then I am automatically wrong because I should be closer to this range. And, um, I recently just got a new driver's license. That's good for eight years. And I adjusted my weight on it to actually be truthful versus like what I want. Like four years ago, when I got married, that is growth right there, folks. That is huge growth. I think mine's still alive. (laughs) That is huge. That's so hilarious. What a big deal that is. Everyone's like, oh, shit. (laughs) That is too funny. I I feel like they all must know, like, okay, add 20 pounds to this. When you're going through, you know, customs are like, okay, yeah, this is right because it's about 20 pounds less. Oh my God, that is so funny. Antonia, you just like in- unlocked a memory for me. You guys remember that that live uh, Josie and the Pussycats movie? Yes. There is this scene towards the end of that movie when somebody's like, how much do you weigh? And the, the, the woman, this movie's about like grown women. She's like 115 pounds. And then the other woman's like, ha, I beat you. I'm 113. So first of all, even just that, like, I beat you, I'm two pounds lighter than you. Like that makes me the winner. Second of all, I'm a child watching this movie and I weighed well over (laughs) the weights that they were saying. And I was like, these are grown women and I'm literally a legal child and I weigh more than them. And I just immediately felt gross and like despicable. And like, I could never be famous. I could never be a pussycat doll. (laughs) I could never be like attractive in the world's eye. That is, that really stuck there. I literally remember that scene verbatim. That is crazy. No, I yeah, so you guys, when you were talking, it reminded me of 90210. I'm forgetting the name of the actress. She was also in Save the Bell. Uh, what was her name? Uh, I don't remember. Dark hair. Yeah. Anyway, like just a little bit more voluptuous. And I remember friends watching that when, when I was in college and people saying, oh, she would be so attractive if she just lost a little weight. I remember like thinking, are you kidding me? She's like super skinny. You could just tell if you look closely that it's just like that she's super curvy and just has a different kind of body style that makes her maybe you know, maybe not look like she's a total waif, <laughs> but right. she, she was probably the same size as the other actresses. And I remember thinking, you guys are crazy. What are you talking about? Like, mm-hmm. she looks, she looks fantastic, but it's like, but then, then of course, when I look at myself in the mirror and think, oh, well, I, you know, I definitely am even curvier and I probably like, you know, according to them, you know, right. would be a lot more attractive if I lost weight. 
quote unquote. Oh my God. That's something that we totally do. When we hear the way that our peers talk about other people, we're instantly like, well, how do they feel about me? Right. Like I would hear friends say like, oh, I feel so fat today. And this friend would be significantly smaller than me. And I would instantly internalize that. of like, great. My friend thinks that I'm huge. Right. And that it's bad. Exactly. Totally. That, oh, Jen, you just reminded me of, so. oh, just even that comment of like, like how common is that comment of like, I remember my hearing my grandma say one thing when we were watching like a singing competition show of like, oh, she has such a beautiful voice. She'd be so much more pretty if she like lost weight. Or I remember hearing people say that about like girls that I went to school with of like, she has such a pretty face is the thing that you hear all the time. She has such a, such a pretty face. She'd be so much more beautiful if she just lost a little weight. Right. And just how that is like the the dominant, that is like the, the first thing that we go to that thinness equals attraction. So of course we all have this internalized should of feeling like our bodies should be smaller. It's so frustrating when you lay out all the little reasons why, like, of course, again, of course we feel this way. Of course. And then it also reminds me of like, also like it, it you know, at my age, I feel like my friends tend to think, oh, you shouldn't, you know, going to the shouldn't thing, you shouldn't care what your body looks like at a certain age. You should just be happy. You should, you know, sh you should be expecting to age or expecting to get wrinkles or expecting to lose, you know, to gain 50 pounds or whatever. And I kind of feel like that's kind of in a weird way, the opposite of that, but it's also, it's very similar. Like it's, it's kind of like this weird expectation that they put on you based on their own feelings about themselves really is what it comes down to. Yeah, totally. that's what I was just going to ask. I was like, okay, so they're saying all these things you shouldn't do, but like in truth, how do they feel about themselves? It's, you know, one thing to tell somebody, but when you need to tell yourself and reprogram your mind, if your mind's in the right place, you're probably not saying those things out loud to other people anymore. Totally. So that's like a lot more internally, I feel like too. Definitely. Yeah. It also totally invalidates the experience. You know what? Like we, we've just talked about even just several examples of things that we were like trained into believing growing up. So it's kind of offensive to like go through all of that and like have your brain be programmed to the brain that it is. And then have someone be like, you should just be happy with yourself. You just want to be like, oh, I'll just do that. Oh my God, okay. Or when people are like, you just, you just can't listen to that stuff. You just, you shouldn't listen to that stuff. It's like, Totally, totally. But I've already been on this planet for three decades and I did. It happened. It, it happened at a very young age. So like that's what's living in here. It's going to take some time. It's it's very toxic positivity. Yes. Energy. Exactly. Yes. As a mask covering up something else. I agree. And I also think there's there's a yeah. mis misunderstanding of like also what, what loving your body can look like. Like just because right. you're made, you, loving your body doesn't necessarily mean you love how it looks. I mean, that can be part of it, but it, there's a lot more that goes right. into your body, right? To just caring for your body. You have your body for the rest of your life. Why should you stop caring about it at age exactly. 40 or 50? <laughs> Why exactly. can't you, you know, like keep, you know, loving it throughout your entire life for so many reasons? Because it's it helps you enjoy and experience life. 100%. And that actually reminds me of another topic that I actually get a lot of questions about, and we've had people come in with just like different opinions and stuff, but when it comes to getting older and getting work done, and when I say getting work done, I mean like if somebody wants to get a boob job or maybe some fillers in their face or a nose job or truly whatever it is. So before we get into this topic and same goes for makeup, like I'm talking about makeup, like it was such a shit thing. I'm wearing a full face of makeup. I'm wearing self tanner right now. You know what I mean? Like it's the, the point that we're talking about here is that like, hey, all these shits are terrible. Never do these things again. 
the thing that we want to point to in this conversation is when you're living from this place of falling into the shoulds, that is, again, societal pressure, pressure from your peers, pressure to impress or live your life for other people. And what an exhausting thing. Like, it's totally understand how we got here and totally want to validate that experience. But what an exhausting thing to live for somebody else. What we're talking about here is not choosing it out of this place of pressure or have to, but whatever you're choosing to take care of your body, whether that's wearing makeup every day because it makes you feel good or never wearing makeup ever again because that makes you feel good. We want you to choose because that's what makes sense for you. We want you to choose because that's the thing that you really enjoy and that's the thing that you are actively choosing in your life. So when it comes to this, like, I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard conversations of like, oh, yep, yeah, when you get to that age, it's, it's just that time. Like, it's, it's just some facts that everyone knows that when you get to a certain age, of course, you're getting fillers, or of course, you're getting things done to seem younger. And that just feels so unfair. And speaking about shoulds, I'll give an example that we actually give a lot in Body, I Love You. I've probably given it on, on the pod before, but when it comes to like a, a news anchor uh, and say like above the age of 50, let's say they have gray hair. If we're talking about a man who's a news anchor above the age of 50 and you were to ask the average consumer, what is your perception of this man? They, they usually come up with words like wise, silver fox, experienced, uh, you know, just like very like regal words to describe a man who's aging. Versus, and this is such an interesting concept because I never in my life have I seen a female news anchor above the age of 50 with gray hair. Like even just envisioning that feels kind of like foreign, sadly. Yes, but, I agree. Right? But if we were to ask the average consumer, what is your perception of this woman? It would be like, get her out of there. We need someone younger and hotter. Hag, dried up. Right. It's the same thing with Hollywood actors and actresses too. You, you often yes. see men that are in their fifties with, you know, salt and pepper hair, but you never, like there's actresses in their sixties and seventies who still won't rock their beautiful silver hair. It's amazing. I know. And it just, I know. Unfortunately, it, it continues that stigma. Right. And so, yeah, it's, that's very super frustrating for me. I mean, I mean, I, even though I, I, I love the youthful energy and I love looking young. I also am somebody who embraces, you know, I've got some silver showing. I embrace my wrinkles. I embrace aging too. So like, it's, it's this weird dichotomy that like, unfortunately um, other women just can't seem to embrace too. And, but I, I get it though, because like when I started growing out my gray, I was like really self-conscious about it for so long oh. and people still give me looks, you know, <laughs> when I go to dance class now, they can tell what age I am. And it, and I feel like they just like roll their eyes. Like what's this, you know, old hag doing <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't help but like wonder if that's what they're thinking because I get the you can see the looks in their eyes sometimes you know totally and Jen like even exactly that like the the looks that you see they could be exactly what you're thinking and that could be your intuition or just like your ability to read people but also it could be something totally different of like yeah. oh shit this woman who I thought had purple hair <laughs> you know like totally. has gray hair like that is crazy like she seems so youthful like I wonder if that's like she got that early or like Kind of just trying to like put a finger on how old you are. Like it literally could just be people yeah, trying to. Who knows? It out. You're right. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're thinking. hundred percent. Yeah, totally. Too is we do that. We do that where we make up stories in our head about what people are thinking. When in reality, they might just be admiring me for for embracing it and still showing yes. up. You know, who the heck knows? One hundred percent. And we're so 
easily influenced. And I don't say that to be condescending. I am very easily influenced. And just even passing things or passing comments. I remember I saw a friend recently and I thought I saw a gray hair in her hair. And I was like, excuse me, are you getting gray hair? And she's like, fuck yeah, it's so embarrassing. Oh my God, I, she must have missed it. The last time I was like, no, 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 no. This is a very exciting thing that's happening. <laughs> I'm very jealous. And I just, I instantly went into like, gray hair is so sexy and cool. And like, you're a modern witch and like, what a cool thing. And like, you're going to get superpowers soon. And like, how exciting for you. And by the end of the conversation, she's like, maybe I should rock my grades. It was like, you should rock your grades. And it's just, it's crazy how easily influenced we can be. Sometimes it just takes one conversation for someone to see something differently. I yeah, agree. and it's so interesting. I recently hung out with two girlfriends who have had probably kids in the past year. Um, one of them was super into rocking her grays because, you know, she's just like, you know, I just I haven't colored my hair probably since like college. I just want to be natural, all this stuff. Um, and then when I saw her you know, this last couple of weeks ago, she had completely colored her hair. I'd never, I've known her for like almost eight years. I've never seen it colored. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, your hair is pretty. Like, I love it. So it's got like purpley, like red hints to it. She's like, yeah, I just decided that I wasn't ready to embrace the gray hair. I kind of was like almost shooting herself into being natural, even though she's like, I just felt more like this is just not what's making me happy. Like, and she's like, I just feel like a new sense of energy. So she was coming from it from a place of like, I just like feel good. And this makes me feel vibrant, like a vibrant mom. And like, I feel different than before. And I felt like she was, she was shooting herself into going gray, but that wasn't what actually aligned with her happiness. And so I liked how she kind of flipped the script on that um, yes. and just kind of like tuned into like, okay, what do I need to be like, feel like me? And I'm just not there yet, you know? And I was like, and that's totally fine because it's coming from a place of, I want, I feel this way and I feel great. Totally. And that's the exact change that we're talking about of like doing something because you feel pressured externally for it versus choosing it because it's the thing that makes you happy. We don't want anyone listening to this to like get to a certain age and think that it's not an option for them to just be themselves and look the way that we look. I also want to validate the societal experience of like, I'm thinking of women who are rocking gray hair, who are like applying for a new job. And how in job interviews, there is ageism where people are wanting to hire younger people and your physical appearance, if you're rocking gray hair, that could work against you. That's, that is shitty, but true experience of the water in which we swim. And I do want to acknowledge that. But again, it, it goes into this entire conversation of us actively, if one person is listening to this and just second guessing, like, maybe I... Maybe I don't need to get work done or, you know what, maybe I do want to get that boob job, but I just feel like everyone would like talk shit on me if I did, but like big tits would like make me happy. Like whatever your thing is, so long as you are choosing it for you from an actual empowered place. And another, I know we have to wrap up in a little bit here, but another thing that we get all the time is um, women who, when they have just given birth this pressure to like bounce back from pregnancy and I was thinking about how refreshing it would be to because people are like asked the question of like oh you know what are you doing to bounce back or like what's the plan or whatever and I was thinking of how refreshing it would be for a woman to just be like I'm just trying to morph into a mom and just do what I can to take care of my child and that's not really a concern of mine right now I feel like we very seldom hear that if ever I agree yeah. I feel like 
there's there's so many pressures for for a new mom because you've got because also you are feeling a little bit like you're not you're not recognizing your body because it's still like you're especially right after you have your baby it's still there to help you know give nutrients to the baby right you're still there to cuddle with the baby you're still there to you know you know you're if you're breastfeeding you're you know you're producing milk for the baby like it, it, it does sort of feel like this body of yours is not your own still, right? And yet you you yourself might want to bounce back, but it's not. But like, I think back to when I was, you know, you know, postpartum, I wish I had just like relaxed a little, you know, just was like, it's okay right now. I'm still, you know, keeping this baby alive, keeping myself alive. I'm still healing from like giving birth to another human being, right? Right. <laughs> One of the most traumatic things a body can go through, by the way, definitely. Yeah. And so I, I do look back and think, oh, I just wish I gave myself a little grace, you know? Uh, definitely. Yeah. If I think one of the final things that I want to say is if you are coming from a place where you notice that you are making decisions about your life from this place of should, that is likely evidence that you have not been living your life according to you and what makes you genuinely happy. And that's not me name calling or pointing fingers or telling you you suck. It's me inviting you to get curious about where you do make those decisions from and what it does look like to make decisions for yourself and your actual joy. Jenny and Antonia, is there any like final advice that you want to give to anyone who's probably relating to this conversation and maybe wants to choose something differently? Yeah, I mean, as you were talking there, the thing that kept coming to mind was, you know, this isn't name calling. This is join the club. Like, right, right, right. In there, you're not alone in this because we're still working through this shooting ourselves, right? As Sydney called out in the beginning, this is never going to be a one and done, I'm healed, I'm past this, I'm the bigger person. This is always like being able to constantly check in with yourself and see where am I making this decision from? One thing I always tell my clients is like, anytime you're evaluating a decision or a path that you wanna go down or something that you're wanting to do for yourself is, am I, is this decision making me feel like expansive and excited? Or is it making me feel pressured and contracted? Just paying attention to like how your body responds when you kind of like ask yourself out loud or in your head, am I making X, Y, Z choice from a place of expansion or passion or compassion? Like, what are you saying? Like, you know, smaller, feeling smaller. Yeah. I'm going to tell you so much, you know, really pay attention to what comes up intuitively as soon as that question gets asked of yourself. Yes. I love that. I love that. I love Me that. Me too. What a concept. Listen to your body and, and, and <laughs> pay attention. <laughs> when we talk about body, I love you. I think the other thing I would say too, is like the sense of sitting. One of the reasons why it's so important to check in with ourselves is because I think we often do this because we're, we want to belong, right? It's, it's in our DNA that we want to belong to other people. And, and, so, valid. and so that's why we're shooting is like, I think about all the times I've should, it's like, well, if I, I should be doing this because that's what my friends are doing. Or I should be doing this because that's what my boss is doing. Or I should do this because this is what my family's doing, right? And um, and so I think that's one of the reasons why having community is so important. Places like Body I Love You and other communities that you belong to, because the more that you are able to share this with people in your community, then you realize that you can belong and you can actually be individual, right? You can you can do purple hair and still <laughs> and still belong, right? And um. And so I think that's, that's such, it's such key to, to, to share and be vulnerable. We talk about this in body. I love you too. 
and because it really connects you closer with the people that are in these different groups you belong to. And it really is transformative when you are able to be yourself and witness yourself as still be able to belong while you're making choices that are different than everyone. 100% definitely. Mm-hmm. And speaking of groups that make you feel like you belong, we have another Body I Love You group kicking off next week on Tuesday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time led by Jen Antonia. We only have one spot left, guys, right? Yeah. Very so exciting. Cool. So cool. <laughs> if you are listening to this and you are someone who has shit yourself in the ways that we've mentioned, or maybe you're shitting yourself into pressure of working on that summer body, okay, definitely something that's creeping up for a lot of people. Invest in this instead. <laughs> do, do yourself a favor and invest in this instead. It will change your brain. It will change your body. It will change so many things for you. So if you are curious about joining this group on Tuesday, go ahead and comment Billy, B-I-L-Y below, and we can schedule a chat with you if that's what you want, or just sign you up if you're just like ready to go today. Jen and Tonya, did I miss anything? I think you covered it. Wow. Yeah. We're Great just excited. Discussion. So excited. <laughs> So exciting. It's going to be such a fun group. I'm so jealous. You guys have so many fun people in that group. It really is going to be a great group. It's It's going to be fun. (laughs) So cool. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for everyone and anyone who is tuning in. It has been a pleasure and we will see you next time. Bye, Bye, everyone. Bye.